I'll start recording then. Hello, good evening everyone. It's me, the Angry History Chef. Oh, I'm Spooky Goth Wife. Um, well, this week really it's more Spooky Goth Wife asking me a question that I'd never really considered before. Um, basically it's one that I had a while ago before I ended up marrying somebody that was so into history that all of the history of the world would get rammed into my skull, whether I liked it or not. I can't help that. <laughs> And it was like, I I, re- I knew I wanted to know things about history, but obviously there is a lot of history. And it was not knowing how to get into things or like, you know, because there's so many books, there's so many, there's so many different things. So how do you, how do you approach it? So how did you get into history? How do you advise other I... people? The, 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 the problem with the, that what was the origin story the problem is the origin <laughs> story for me in history stems from me being a baby <laughs> it goes that far back it do, well no it does because when i was probably no older than six months and you can ask my mother this but she'll yeah. she'll corroborate it quite happily but at six months old my grandfather he's not been with us now for almost 30 years used to well yeah 1990, 1991, something after. So, like, 30-odd years, my granddad Len's been gone. He served in World War Two. He was very passionate about military history anyway himself. I mean, half my own World War Two and modern military history books I have are his that I inherited yeah, yeah. with his passing. But at six months old, he would put on war films and just plonk me in my baby chair in front of the TV. <laughs> like, I, like a clockwork orange. <laughs> Yeah, but it was it was things like Guns of Navarone, um, Kelly's Heroes, Zulu, your traditional classic nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, war's nasty, but he's the glamorized version yeah, of war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was never um, military history was never sanitized for me at all. It was never sanitized. Um, the Gulf War happens in 91. I am at nursery and my mum's called in because I'm sat there with my own Tonka toy salad in armoured car, which fired matchsticks out the gun. It had like a little cocking <laughs> mechanism really cool. and it could fire matchsticks. Um, but I'm there with a dragon armoured carrier transport, a centurion Tonka toy, dinky yeah. toy, your classic die cast yeah, yeah, style, yeah. and a saladin. And they're all... And they're still floating around at mum and dad somewhere as the dragon transport a centurion and the saladin. Saladin's lost its wheels. I'd chewed them off and all sorts. And they're in classic model green. And I must have been three or four. You know what I mean? I was born 87. The Gulf War kicks off. I was in nursery. And the teachers were concerned because I was sat there with uh, the middle centre spread from the newspaper with the battle scene from the first Gulf War. Yeah. Tootling about with toy tanks and all sorts. Quite like you were like trying to war game with a newspaper. (laughs) Well, with the imagery of the newspaper and my own toys on the sand. And this is the thing. So for me, history started at a very early age. And I've always been interested in military history from before I could even walk. And then that just kind of spread. I mean, at the age of five, I could name German and British armoured vehicles by their silhouettes. Like, I can still do it to some degree yeah, today yeah. as a spotter's guide. I can point at tanks and be like, that's that, that's that, that's that. And I, at five years old, I actually had more knowledge of British and armoured vehicles of the Germans and everything than I do now. Because I've got that much history, I've pushed out... so. What happened was I started on World War Two when I was Henry's age. Yeah. Like, literally, be- from birth, I was brought up on war. Yes. From the get-go. So, for me, history has always been... 
if I've seen a film that I've enjoyed and it's meant to have been like a historical film or something else. So bear in mind, I also grew up watching the original 300 Spartans. Yes. Okay. And Robin Hood. And never watched the Kirk Douglas Viking film. Never seen it. No, I don't think I have. But, my mum hated but, Kirk Douglas. But this is the thing. But like Lawrence of Arabia, um, African Queen, um, uh, all the traditional 300 Spartans, yeah. all the traditional Robin Hood films, Errol Flynn, you know what, the whole lot, I mean, it's like Basil Rathbone. Yes, the Sherlock Holmeses. Literally my childhood. I only ever really knew Basil Rathbone as Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Errol Flynn is always Robin Hood to me. Yeah, that's that's the same as me, to be yeah. fair. I know who Scarlett O'Hara is with Gone With The Wind. I know Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn in The African Queen. I knew more about World War One than your average, like, military historian, like, undergrad military historian at Nottingham University at times when I was 10 years old. And I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet there. That is literally people my parents knew whose kids were at Nottingham University who didn't even have half the knowledge I had and they were 18 years old. So for the average person that has not been... Find a film you enjoy. You know if you've seen a historical film, like Kingdom of Heaven, right? Yes. So you go and you see Kingdom of Heaven and you go, I want to know what really happened in Jerusalem at that time. You think it's an epic film, it inspires you to look at the period. Or you listen to something on Radio 4, I'm showing my classist, (laughs) classic thought here. But no, like, so you, or you you were brought up and you watched the 300 Spartans or the African Queen and you go, well, what actually was happening in Africa? Why are the Germans there? And it triggers something in your mind and it doesn't happen for everyone. Loving history and searching for history and wanting to dig into the details of history, Mm. I think has to already, a passion to research things and to want to know about things has to be there. Because I got told by the friend that I was talking to at the time Again, many moons ago, before meeting Angry History Chef, husband. Angry History Husband. Um, that he's, He was like, I'll find a battle and then work off that. Yeah. I suppose the problem is I'm not very battle-minded because if you start getting dates, it then kicks my discalculator off and then I get very confused. However, you... For you, history might be more look at social changes and look at a social history. I'm lucky in the fact that numbers don't scare me. Well, yeah. The written word doesn't bother me. I'm just not very good at writing. But in terms of reading and stuff, I don't have much of an issue. And social history comes hand in hand with, to some degree, military history. Because military history is a mirroring of social history. So a lot of the time, I don't consider myself like dates and timeline kind of historian. I consider myself kind of a multifaceted historian because I will look at social aspects from the Mm. period and how that relates to the military aspects of the period to what the dates and how the battles pop up and everything else that's involved in it. So like in one of my Patreon talks, I discuss English war bowmen and the fact that because of the English war bowmen, you get social change because there's a demand for them which takes men out of the labour force. Then when you add in the plague and everything else, it generates the middle classes it forms social reforms to happen and then you have to look at how society changes because you've suddenly got this new middle class and that all interconnects 
So watching things like Kingdom of Heaven or Zulu, particularly for the new generations, those Generation Zs and and well, all the, is, the younger people. This is what I was going to say. The youths of today. Well, this is what I was going to say is because like you've you've immediately gone for Kingdom of Heaven, which I know that you like because it's relatively accurate. modern and relatively accurate. But yeah. I just think about like stuff like the BBC Robin Hood. And stuff like that, where they've but, just dressed them up in complete and utter bollocks from H&M. But this is the problem so you, you face now. do you think that now. gets in the way? Or do you think that no, people I think, get over I that think, to them? I think what people do is they see things like Robin Hood. Mm. They see the Vikings. They see Last Kingdom. They've seen these god-awful <laughs> costumes, but they've been interested in the history. And then they start digging. I think so, this is it. It's like with the Vikings thing, with the TV show and Last Kingdom. It has a lot to answer for. But if it sparks an interest... Scandiboos or whatever they call them. Whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> but if it sparks an interest and people then start doing their own research, right, and then start asking questions and start asking questions about what should I be reading? What's a good source to find X, Y and Z about? Mm. What's good there? And people start interacting and asking questions, joining Facebook groups and other yeah. bits and pieces. As long as you don't end up in the rabbit hole of the white supremacist brigade, yeah. which is a very dangerous rabbit hole. It is for ancient Greek stuff as well. They've gone Misogyny, very... gung-ho. Well, no, it's not even You that. also they've get gone... it for Rome, darling. Yeah, they've gone in Greece. They're, ha- they're having a great big fight because... The neo, well, they wouldn't say neo pagan. They don't like being called neo pagan. The, but they're the neo pagan. Traditional yeah. ethnic religion. Yeah. Which was, should be the poly, Hellenic. Yeah, the Hellenic poly yeah. poly whatever it is. You can have it, a right battle because they have all these uh, alt right style. Yeah. People fascist. To... When you look at history, you get it with anyone who looks at Roman history, Greek history, medieval history, courtesy of thank. Christ for those fucking poor soldiers of Christ, the Templars and stuff. Those vaults. Indeed. You look to the Vikings and you see it there of this. And to some degree, you can blame Mussolini and Hitler. Yeah. Because Napoleon did it a bit as well. Yeah, but Napoleon imitated Rome in the sense of Napoleon wasn't being misogynistic prick and being a fascist arsehole. I'm not going to mention a country beginning with A and ending in A. Oh. Also, is quite fond of the uh, oh, eagles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, freedom eagles and freedom fries, folks. But no, the problem is Napoleon had a passion for classic history. Napoleon, however, didn't go around saying, I'm going to lock everyone in a concentration camp and kill them all. No. He wasn't nice, the ogre of Corsica, but on the flip side of it, he had a deep-seated love of the classical world. Also, you've got to remember, he came from Corsica. Yeah. He was Italian. Yeah, it's true. You want to look at someone taking the ancient world and the medieval world and flipping it on its head, look to Wagner, who we yes. have the ring cycle. While that should inspire you to look at Norse mythology and the Norse pantheon and mm. everything, do not fall down into the anti-Semitic roots of Wagnerianism that it entails. <sighs> yeah. The man hated Jews... Which means, fair enough, you don't have to like him, he just wrote very good opera. I think sometimes this is a thing as well as that people, I think sometimes have a have a liking for history, but they feel like they can't relate to it. But you read stuff 
from the time. Like the friggin' tablet in Vindolanda. I need new socks, Mum. Yeah, or like you're invited to my party. party. Humans or, or the, are humans. Humans are humans, regardless of wherever you look at them. And wherever you look at them, there is always going to be an absolute racist, xenophobic asshole wherever you look. Yeah. Right? Throughout history, the Celts are called the Celts by the Greeks. And it stems from the word kelatos, which I believe is trousers. <laughs> because they are the yeah, people the Greeks that wear don't, trousers. The Greeks aren't fans of the trousers, The Romans no. refer to them in Latin, of course, as barbarian. Yeah. Because the language to the Latinized ear no. sounds like bar bar. No, no, that's Greek. But well, I always thought it was... No, Varvaros is Greek because of the barbar, but it's Varvaros. But it's the Romans have a similar thing and the Celt thing comes, I think, from the Greek because they wore trousers. Yeah. But this is the point of the Roman Hellenic, the Greco-Roman world. They're interchangeable at times. You can throw a piece of Greek or Roman history and frankly, it applies to both. Well, it's like I read, I remember reading, I want to. I used to say Catullus, but somebody on Ancient History Fangirls has said Catullus and now I'm like, is it Catullus all along and I've been saying it wrong? Um, but you read his poems and what, it's Civilis just... Catullus, the Roman poet? Yeah. Writes a lot of very interesting and very worrying yes. <laughs> types of poetry going, like... oh, I really don't like them. And it's like, yeah. oh, dear Lord. It's like same shit, different century. You know what I, I mean? would like to point out the deep-seated hatred of Carthaginians and North Africans in the Roman Empire, for example, all because of Hannibal Barker mm. and his invasion. Bear in mind, and I'm talking... 300 years later, they still had in the empire a deep-seated, running, xenophobic hatred of North Africans because of Barker and the Punic Wars. So humans, shockingly enough, are human. But yeah, how to get into history when you're a complete and utter noob? Yeah. Find something you love. Yeah. Find something that interests you. And you know what? Don't be afraid to be upset by what you read yeah, and think it's thing, wrong. Think. Yeah. If you do not get upset by what you read in history at times, and if you do not find it shocking at times, what has happened through history, even if it's 2,000 years ago and it doesn't shock you, you're reading into history wrong. History should shock you. History should make you feel emotions. And you can feel pride in things, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But... That pride should be tinged with a melancholy of, like, bearing in mind, I have. We did, a, we did a lot. We achieved things, but we did it in like an every empire. Way. This is the problem. Every <laughs> empire has done something that achieved greatness, but at the cost of what? And this is what you have to take away from it. At times, colonialism is a key example of this, and because it's within, to some degree, I say living memory, it's not living memory, but it is. Because the empire didn't disappear till 1948. And for the French, the empire didn't disappear until the 70s. Remnants of the French empire were still going in the 1970s, and that had its own issues as well. And that's to do with Algeria. Now, this is the problem. I am proud to be British, okay? And I'm proud to be English. But I am also fully aware of all of the atrocities that happened under British rule throughout the world. And I will always feel remorse that the empire achieved its greatness through the exploitation of other human beings as being seen as less than. And it doesn't make me happy. It makes me incredibly sad. But I am still proud to be British 
and I'm still proud of the fact that as an island nation, to some degree, we managed to fight two world wars and not get invaded by Germans twice. I think. But I don't have a but. Just let me. But I don't have a hatred of the German people or of the French people. Do you know I have a I have a great love of the French. I have a great love of the Germanic people, whether they're wherever they're from. I have a deep love of Europe, but I'm also aware of the fucking clusterfuck that European history truly is. I have a deep love of Belgian people because of the beers they make and their obsession with fries. Yes. Don't ask me why. And chocolate. And chocolate. And like and 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 little dogs pulling machine gun carts, <laughs> which is adorable. <laughs> World War One. They use their machine guns on little trundle carts pulled by dogs. It's quite adorable, but also a bit like. Oh no, because the dogs would. No, because the dogs. Up. No, they wouldn't, because it was the dogs would trundle up, and then they'd send the dogs behind the lines. Oh. The dogs would like use like horses, just trundle machine guns forward to save it. Men carrying it because they were on a little cart. It's quite cute to look at. <laughs> Belgian machine gun dog brigade is quite a cute idea. See, that's that's a rabbit hole someone could go down. The Belgian army in World War pre World War One that are basically wearing Napoleonic uniforms. Yeah, it's ridiculously bonkers. I... But as I was saying, I'm aware of a lot of history, and I'm aware of the nightmarish realm that history is. And there are times I am reading documents, and I am horrified at times by the events that have happened and it doesn't make me proud of our country at that point i am currently just proud of what britain is today well not today <laughs> i was about to give you a no, very weird look no what i'm saying is i w- i was proud of what britain achieved yes in terms of the multi-ethnic melting pot we had become yeah and i have a deep-seated hatred of anyone that is pro-brexit Mm. pro anti eu because you are everything we fought against to get rid of and you didn't have the common decency to go and jump off a fucking bridge when cameron offered brexit you waved your flags and you came jack booting out of whitehall like a world war Two fucking nazi <laughs> and frankly speaking your passion for britain is a britain that deserves to burn in hell it's, Sorry think... about that, folks. It's just—it's the one thing that really gets my goat going is xenophobic white supremacists. My grandfather fought to put them down, right? He fought long and hard, and he had some very troubling views about the Middle East at times, but that's because he had seen it firsthand, okay? And I don't hold with my grandfather's views of the Middle East, I can see where he's coming from, given the way the Middle East is at the moment, but I don't hold with them. And my grandfather died, as I say, when I was about four or five years old. And as I say, he had troubling views, but only about the Middle East. Everyone else in the world, he was quite happy to get on with. He loved French people, Germans, Italian. And as I say, he fought to defeat the Nazis. Yeah. In the Middle East and then in Italy and everything else. And you know what? He was out there doing his job. And I will add, my grandfather wasn't even legally old enough to be out there doing that job because he signed up in 1942 when he was technically 14 years old. Oh, my God. And he got through recruitment. And in 1943, he was fighting in North Africa and then in Sicily and then whatever. And then he ended up in Palestine. 
and he saw a lot of things firsthand. And not to be rude, my grandfather was quite anti-Israel <laughs> because of the behaviour he saw out there. And yeah, so this is my point. I I get very passionate about uh, yeah. Sorry, I've just. <laughs> you normally tell me off for derailing things. No, I but... just Brexit and a lot of the things. It's just it's, in your head. And yeah. Oh yeah, I hate it so I much. Think, I think this is the thing as well. It's like you know what? If you you can also look at other cultures or you know books on people. To, you, I'm gonna go. To, we went on. We went to see that Poirot film with oh, Kenneth did. Branagh. Yes. And in the film, now I'm always forgiven because it's Poirot. No, but no, no, Poirot. no. But in the film, oh, the black doctor. The doctor's black. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. they even go so far as to, 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 to kind of do a very brief explanation for the people that needed to know why he was black. And then this guy, this old gammony gammon gammon face, as we left, was like. Oh, I don't need to know why they had to put a black doctor in. It's like they've explained. <laughs> he fought in the First World War, was <laughs> awarded... He was a left... He, shockingly enough, he reached a rank in the First World War as a Harlem Hellfighter and got sent to do medicine. Yeah, okay. he got sponsored to do it. By his yeah. senior white officer. But that wasn't good enough for this man that seemingly thought that black people were only invented in like 1962 or something. The Windrush 1954 like, off the boat brigade. There is so much evidence and so much, there's so many good books about people of colour and especially um, LGBT people in history as well. Well, yes. I have my, yes, but I have my own hang-ups about not yeah. the LGBTQ community. I'm I'm all for people. I have. You don't like labels being. I don't like, and it's a strange phrase, but I don't like whitewashing history. And I don't mean that as in we put the whiteness of white people and white supremacy. What I'm saying is, we have our own modern fights. We have our own modern views. I have a deep mistrust of anyone that applies a modern fight to some degree to people in the past no, because we don't know it's no it's more that they have evidence of things of people that existed yeah no we know and there but, was a whole queer archive that was in germany that well, got destroyed I, by a, the nazis well i'm aware of that but so what i'm saying no I'm, I'm more on about there's the a medical doctor from the 18th century that was actually a woman yeah. who served in the thing and people are like oh well clearly that was a young the problem is I can't talk about this because no, no, I don't no. have the words. I don't speak the lingo of the communities. This is what I get. I have an antiquated way of talking, which makes me seem like I'm anti-LGBT and I'm not. But what I'm saying is sometimes people apply these, the modern fight yeah. to historical characters when that's not actually the case. It was a world where men could only do things. So how are you going to get to become a doctor because you're good at whatever? Is you pretend to be a man? That doesn't mean, though, that you were some trans... No, you were you... covering yourself to be able to advance yourself as a woman in a male-dominated society. No, but my point is that there are... Even if you can't necessarily find an era of history, there's approaches to it and areas of history 
like highlighting people of colour that were doing really oh, yeah, great no, things like Mary and things C. like Coleman that. Stuff. Yeah, my mum was the one. My mum was a primary school teacher. See, we learned about her in six in I GCSE. Didn't. My mum told me GCSE history for us in Nottingham. Yeah. We learned about Mary Seacole. Oh, you did the Crimea, didn't you? We did, but we didn't learn a single thing about Florence Nightingale Hooray. apart from she was very good at administration. <laughs> She liked writing letters in her bed, I remember that. Basically, that's all we learned. <laughs> yeah. But I could tell you that Mary Seacole set up the Jamaica Hotel yeah. in the Crimea and did more good for the British forces as a hospitalised idea. Her autobiography is amazing. I've never read it. I've I'm not an it. autobiography person, dear. I've got it. Up in I, the I will have a read of it. Yeah. Uh, autobiography it's is not one very of the, big. No, but autobiography is one of the things that I... But it's in her own words, if you know what I Ooh, mean. Oh, now that is interesting. Because it is an autobiography. Biography. It's her writing. Yeah. Oh, man. And her talking, talking about all the crap that she had to put up with well, people precisely. accusing her of running a brothel and stuff because she was black. I know. I, I know. fucking hate her sometimes. <laughs> I just hate us, humans. Yes. And do you know what really makes the biggest joke? White people are the lowest population density on the earth. That's probably why we're all like, ooh. Yeah, probably. We're just scared. I'm not. I'm quite... I'm like, Everyone's welcome to Kieran Land. <laughs> Kieran Land. <laughs> you know what to, I mean. I'm trying to picture what what would be in Kieran Land, like a, a like a river of tea instead of a chocolate river, like in Willy Wonka's. Yeah, just a tea river. And, I, iron Brew Fountain. Yeah, and and Toad in the Owl. <laughs> Yorkshire pudding. Yorkshire pudding mountain. You could have Yorkshire pudding like whitewater rafting boats mm, to I go down the tea river. Mm. Could I have a river of gravy to go down? Okay, well, we can... Can, we, I, can I have... Well, it's Kieranland. I can have multiple rivers, yes, thank you, you very much. You a can. river of iron brew, a river of tea and a river of gravy. <laughs> there we go, folks. Oh, the mushy pea mines. Mine them out. <laughs> as long as it's not exploitative. As long as the people are happy to be there. It's mined by dwarfs, dear. Okay. Like true... True fantasy level dwarf mining. You wouldn't get me down the mushy pea mines. Ugh. You and me, I'd be there licking the walls. <laughs> <laughs> the seam of the mushy pea just licking the wall. <laughs> but and yeah. I'd, I'd like to also point out, and this isn't a like self um, pub- publicity thing, listening to podcasts about history oh, yeah. has done me no world, no end of good. Yes. Ancient history fangirls. We shout out a lot of people amazing. we listen to. I wish they. I'm just, just you know, it'd be nice if, if we got a recognition at some point. If someone, if anyone listening to us tags one of the other podcasts that we mentioned, I don't know. <laughs> it would be funny as hell because it's like credit to all credit due. Ancient history fangirls. I love the silly history boys. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, what is his name? Jane? Dan he Carling. Does, well, Dan Carlin's Dan Carlin. Is that the one that Connor does? Connor the always does the impression of Dan Carlin. Yeah, the, the Macedonians. Yeah, but the the um, oh, what is it? Um, the British History Podcast. He's a British chap lives in America. James something can't remember it. Listen to his stuff. He's a man who knows his stuff. Does his research. Knows it. There's also um, and again, you'll never guess what my area of interest is. But murder. Ancient, no, ancient Greece declassified. It's also it's very dry, but it's very good. I learnt loads All about the anti anti device that the computer, the ancient Greek computer that they found on a shipwreck. Oh, and the it predicts yeah, the the the, 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 stars. the solar. Yeah, the, uh, the lo- solar calculator. The lunar and solar calculator. That yeah, the, is 100% it is the accurate. it is the Antikythera. And it even it even they'd even Stephen Fry would know what it was. It, they'd even programmed in like the, the length of time as to how 
like I think it's something like the the planets rotate, but they don't take the same amount of time or no, something. Don't. And they'd work that out. They gave us jet engines, dear. Ancient Greece. (laughs) To be honest, if the Greco-Hellenic world hadn't got Christianity, we'd probably be in space already. We would. They knew about atoms. I mean, I would be absolutely screwed as a woman because I wouldn't be allowed to leave the house if I was remotely rich. They measured the circumference of the Earth and that it was round with a stick and the sun. I know. How stupid is and that? And then there's people Not nowadays... stupid in a bad way. I mean stupid in like no, the, the, how stupidly amazing that they've measured the whole world and he was only out by something like 2.3 metres with a stick and the sun. But this is the joke, right, is that there are these ancient Greek people that, that you know, had very pr- like primitive, in inverted commas, calculators that worked this out and then we have the abundance of the world's knowledge... Readily accessible on a small pocket device. We're going, the world is flat. Nah, nah, nah. And anti-vaxxers. The moon, the moon is made out of, is a, is a is, blimp. Put no, up the moon is made of cheese and the clangers live I on just, it. With uh, soup dragons. I could live with that I, as a conspiracy I'm sorry, theory. that is my conspiracy theory. <laughs> it's made of cheese, the clangers live on it, but and there if, are soup dragons. But what if the clangers are like secretly evil and, and the clangers is a, a, a propaganda piece? Then I don't mind, because I can live with evil mice living in the moon, <laughs> eating soup from soup dragons. It'd be the dichotomy of seeing some horrific space rodent coming towards you while it's going We call that Rud Deer. It's a 40k reference. Oh god. (laughs) Or in the old world Skaven. No. Yes. Everything can circle back into the world of Kieran. Um, But yeah uh, where were we? We're talking about how to get into history. We were not, not by listening to this. Not by listening to this. Well, like you know, listening by listening to me, you get like the listen child. To, listen to his Patreon because he actually doesn't have me interrupting him on that. Well, also I don't get like diverted sometimes because I pick my subject, get my books out, and I sit and talk about it for an hour or two. Unfortunately, the Patreon ones are never edited. Yes. Because it's me just rambling. Oh, um, here's here's one. Here's one. If you had to design a film. You had to pick. You had, to, you had a film, and your we discussed this before. No, 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 no. But you had you could pick a period of history, mm. and you could make an authentic film to get people into history. What period would you do it on? That's very tricky. There's a lot. I'll where... give you a series if you'd like. Oh, but... A TV series would be better. Yeah. Although the new Barbarians on Netflix, which is to do with the Teutoburg. All right. That's all done in Latin and ancient German. Oh, yeah, I think I remember you watching yeah. that. Well, I haven't watched it. I've, I've, I've been meaning no, to no. watch it, but it's just one of those, I've got to be in the right mindset yeah. to deal Not with Not Britannia. No. <laughs> oh, God. Why? We really tried. We really Why? tried. But... Why would you do that to me? There's only so far um, you can disengage your brain. I know. I, I, I can do popcorn television, but that's just turning my brain to liquid mush. <laughs> like Vikings and The Last Kingdom. Have you watch those? I can't even I can't watch, watch Vikings. I watched The Last Kingdom, but only because I've read the books and I just like the story arc of having Alfred. I shut my eyes off, basically. I don't you look do at that. You do tend to have it on when you're doing something else. Yeah. It's just like an audio book, It I is, guess. yes. Yeah. But if I could build... Or make a television series yeah. of history to yeah. interest all people yeah. and try and suck them in. And I could make it 100% accurate yes. and historically, as close as yes. I could do it. 
where swords don't just go through plate armour like it's tinfoil <laughs> and anything else, like proper historical done right, yes. I would get... Um, well, my advisors. I'm going to do this properly. So my advisor would be... Um, oh, what is his name? He runs the Wallace Sword Collection. He's a lover. Tobias! Oh, what is Tobias' second name? Uh, I want to say Capswell or something. Da he runs... Um, Fliss, be my Google engine here yes. and look up people. But it, he, he does jousting professionally. He's a really nice American bloke. He, there isn't a thing about plate armour. I don't think that man doesn't know. I'm sure it's Tobias Capwell is his name. I'm sure it's Tobias Capwell. This is the problem, folks, with my head. So much information, so few names stick in it. Uh, Tobias Capwell, you were right. It is Tobias Capwell. And I would probably do a Hundred Years War series. Mm. Early Hundred Years War. So, 14, probably with the climactic episodes being the Battle of Cressy. Yeah. And I would start it with the Brittany campaigns under Sir Reginald Cobham. Yes. Uh, so, good old Reg Cobham and Tommy Dagworth. Good old Reggie Cobbs. Reggie Cobbs and Tommy <laughs> Dagworth, which is Sir Thomas Dagworth and Sir Reginald Cobham. Soldiers come good, as it were, because they started life as men-at-arms. Yeah. And I would do um, probably a single series or two series, depending on episode count, either a single full 24 episodes, mm. but only as one series, with the last two episodes being Cressy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In all of its glory. Um, I would get Joe Gibbs and Will Sherman, um, Joe Gibbs being the mighty war bowman yeah, that he yeah, is, yeah. Uh, with... Will Sherman making arrows and other things for close-up work. But then I'd get like... You know what I mean? And I'd get proper English war bowmen doing it. My uncle Jamie would definitely be... And my uncle Chris would be like yeah. sidling up to you. They would, yes. My um, uncle Jamie's usually dead in all the videos that he... But uh, this is what I mean. <laughs> I would probably do... To get people interested in the lads, lads... And I know this sounds daft, folks. But the proper lads, lads, lads... Way England Brigade. Yes. Right. So it would appeal to them to some degree because it's Edward III and yeah. he is very much pro-St. George, pro-England. Yes. But for the real historians there and for the people to get interested in history, there's the politics around Edward III. So I would probably do a series actually concerning Edward III, but only up to the Battle of Cressy. Yeah. So I would get him from his childhood, say 24 episodes, give me the chance to do Edward III properly with historical accuracy. Okay. And oh. actual costumes that yeah, look yeah, like yeah, what they would yeah. wear. Doublet and hose done properly Please. with acaton and demi plate with mail and also and this is why I'd get Tobias Capwell, I'd get you know what I mean? I'd get oh and I'd get um Roland uh, disseminator in for I thirty three work yeah. and get them all trained and have the extras actually trained up in fighting techniques of the fourteenth century mm. properly and get like war bowmen trained up. And use real life war bowmen. So basically, you're just using the premise of a TV series to get an army. Yes, <laughs> a medieval army, no less. But it would make the most authentically accurate, amazing 14th century costuming. I would get, uh, I believe it's Michael Perry's wife. She did the stitch in time thing with the crazy red haired yeah, yeah, lady, yeah, yeah. and she made the um, double overcoat, the 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 surcoat, mm. padded surcoat. For the Black Prince as oh, one of the yeah, pieces yeah. in it, right? And it's got, I, I don't know who the lady is. She has crazy red, she's some fashionista type. I don't know. 
it, it's modern television, folks. Yeah, My yeah. TV knowledge kind of stops at Time Team. <laughs> and that's about it, really. Yeah, that's another one, Time Team. Oh, well, Time Team should be coming back. Yeah, but now I'm all about It'd people getting into history. Oh, that's... Time Team. Time Team was actually one of the biggest factors of me getting into history as I got older. Because Sunday afternoon was yes. Sunday lunch, yeah. Time Team, yeah. Scrappy Challenge. See, I used to go have my swimming lesson on a Sunday... So mum and make a roast dinner and then we would have a frozen apple pie with custard or I would have made some cakes or something and we would watch Time Team. Steamed treacle sponge pudding as dessert in our house with custard. The traditional proper... I'm afraid my family are very old school in it's many no wonder respects. why we get on, is it? Yeah, no. <laughs> um, or a Viennetta. Oh, God. If mum had been out luxury shopping to Iceland she'd we get a Viennetta we only get one of those when we went to KFC and then we'd not really enjoy eating it but we felt obligated no, to mom, eat it no mum dad and the girls would eat Viennetta and I would just sit and either have um, a microwaved sponge pudding to myself or um, a bag of sweets but you know or a milky the old school milky ways yes not the new ones with the white no 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 the proper traditional old school milky ways yeah yeah, they were great. I miss them. And they changed the name because they, they changed the Milky Way, didn't they, to have white mm. And then there was a different bar. I think it was like the Flight Bar or something that was basically an old school Milky Way. It was a weird thing. It, uh, I must have been a teenager back then, but Christ, I'm going back a bit. But yeah, Time Team, that got me into history further on. It covers lots of different periods as well. It did. Um, and it's very inoffensive. I think I recommended it on... Um, this Facebook, Etbot. yeah, on Etbot, this group that I'm on on Facebook, because they they like there's a lot of people on there that have got anxiety and various things, and they they like British Bake Off because it's relatively inoffensive and nothing you know nothing explodes, nobody swears, there's no horrific violence. Time Team's exciting though. Yeah, well, no, they're not against it being exciting. It's just no, that but it's, I loved it when it'd be like Tony, Tony, nice. I found something. Tony, can you come over and bring the cameras, please? I found, and you'd be like, what have they found? <laughs> And I mean, bearing in mind, Time Team didn't stop till 2001, 2003. Yeah, no. You've so, got a lot of episodes to catch up on. You I've seen them all. I'm not on about you. I'm on about... Well, there's 20 seasons of it. I'm on about people that have never I know, but 20 it. seasons of Time Team with an average of 18 episodes a season or so. So much history. <laughs> Just about Britain. And I remember season 12, they went to Jamaica to look up a sugar plantation mm. as one of the other ones. And then you get the special episodes where they've got one on the Somme, one on a working water well type thing from Hadrian's Wall that was found, that they also found one in London. Mm. Uh, they do one from York. They did the big dig where they were doing York and everything. And Sandy Toxvig popped up on an episode or two, along with Hugh Fernley Whitting Sword. That was the time of River Cottage, of course, as well. But what got me into history and what's to get people into history is find something you love. And don't let it be put you off history if you're horrified by what you found out, right? I think the thing is to understand is human beings are generally shit. We if are. You go, if you go back in looking for for like amazing, you know, old people in the olden days were so much more virtuous. No, <laughs> no they just didn't have access to the internet. Yeah. That doesn't mean that people were better. No. No, 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 no. Oh, dear. This is the big problem sometimes. See, I know the answer to this question, but... What is the period of history that you could not give to Shakespeare Lamb's tale about? It's not even just one period. It's their entire history I couldn't give a toss about to some degree. And that's America. Oh, no, I thought you were going to say Civil War. You always say Civil War normally. Yeah, but the American Civil War, 
the English Civil War, I just have a nodding acquaintance to because, frankly speaking, it just bores the shit out of me. <laughs> because I couldn't give a toss. It is, honestly. You can talk to Kieran about loads of things and then you get to the British Civil War and he's just like, ugh. It's because it was inflicted upon me by a very pro-Cromwellian history teacher uh... who I loved very dearly, Mrs Morell. And I did love her dearly because she was an amazing history teacher and she imparted... And she is the reason I did history at A-level even though I failed history at GCSE. Yeah. And I failed food tech as well, folks. This is the great joke of the Angry History Chef Retire. I failed my two greatest passions at school. <laughs> but I made a living out of being a chef and loving history. Yeah, but that's the proof that the academic tests are a load of bollocks. Yes, I know. But unfortunately, we get to um, the Civil War at A-level history, and they don't teach the Civil War. What they teach is all the social politics behind it and all the crap that goes off to have the Civil War. And that's fine, but at the time, I was 18 and not really bothered about social history. I just wanted to look at pipe blocks and volleys of handguns and pointless charges by Rupert of the Rhine and his toy poodle. On the, on the cantle of his bloody saddle as he goes galloping through, kills the rounded cavalry and then promptly sods off into the baggage I feel camp. like this is like Star Wars where you say, I don't like Star Wars and then you tell me lots of facts about Star Wars. We did the English Civil War three times at secondary school. We covered Bloody it hell. in year seven, year nine and six four. I don't think we And did. year seven and year nine, we actually covered the Civil War itself in terms of the battles and the weapons and the technology okay mm-hmm. and then and the problem is it didn't really go in at that point of year seven and year nine because we only covered it for like four weeks if you get what i mean and then yeah. on to a new it's like you cover it for a term and then on to a new history subject if you see my point and it was just a bit boring and then we got to sixth form and we covered the political side of it. So like the major general and this is what i mean by i learned history and it all goes in Right. And this is the point. Stuff about the Civil War has gone in, but it's just so fucking boring to me in so many ways because I don't care about Cromwell and I don't care about Charles the fucking first. And the fact Charles the first was a major knobhead. See, this is another one. Horrible histories. Now that, oh no, now that should get all kids into history. Well, I had the books when I was growing up. Yeah. And I still recommend the books. The problem is Terry, Terry, mm, yeah, yeah, that's questionable at times anyway, but because a lot of the, no, but a lot of the books now, a lot of the books now are the rewrites done by the BBC based off the crowd that did the original horrible histories. Now, and they did a lot better research given that most of them are all history majors. No, but as a way of getting you into Oh, but things. getting kids into history, definitely throw them at horrible histories or throw horrible or, histories at them. Or just... take them to a reenactment. Or you go to a reenactment if you're an older person. Cause... And you want to go and look at history, come we, to reenactments. We did a show... Um, this weekend. The weekend just gone. And it was quite a small show, so we actually had people... I think the thing is that big shows, because it's so spread out, dependent on where you are in how the public walk around... They either don't interact with you at all or you get everybody interacting with you. And most recently, it's been like nobody's really interacted with me. But this show, we were the only people there because it was a small one. It was a minor, yeah. And it was the look... It was just Dane It was the eyes lighting up of small girls when I was giving them weaponry. Yes. 
and it was like She-Ra powers activating or something of them just there was this one girl and she kept coming back it was almost like the kind of like you're trying to get free samples and you keep changing your hats yeah she kept coming back round wanting to hold weapons like she'd not held anything before yeah and I'm like, I recognise you, but I thought, I'm not going to, you know. You just let them hold the if weapons. If she wants to have time holding a sword, let her. Well, yeah. It's not. I suppose the novelty's worn off for us, hasn't it? After 18 years oh, or 34 years sword. in your case. Oh. oh, it's just a sword. It's just another man with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> you married this one, so you're Shirty a bit shit out of luck on that front. I know, here. I know. The novelty is... But, I mean, I was... I did a lot of the talking this weekend at the minor show. You did. I did all the you weapons... Were a, you were a shouty man. I was a... I'm a shouty man! Yes, <laughs> I, I always like doing the horrible histories I'm a shouty man thing. It's good me, folks. A bit gulp of tea there. One of the kids that uh, came up... I think it was the one... I would also like to give a shout-out to um, Nige yeah. and Immy. And I would also like to take a little bit of credit for, for subtly swaying the vote. There was a fancy dress competition, and I felt like I avenged a lot of wrongs in that there were four There were four children. Um, one, Two of them were in pre-bought Viking outfits with the furry boots and the horned helmets and the giant how to how to train your dragon double realness yeah 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 battle axe and stuff and then there was this little boy in the most authentic outfit he was in a tunic folks with just a belt on he was in a kirtle with a fabric belt and his mum had made him a cardboard shield and she'd sewn the kirtle together the night before and made it all yeah and she was like really apologetic about it because she was like oh he only said he wanted to do it last night and I was like he deserves the prize. Because he's got the most realistic, authentic costume. And I'm sorry, if nothing else, she deserves the prize by proxy because she made it. Yeah. So I avenged a lot of wrongs. And the fourth entrance. <laughs> by proxy. And the fourth entrance was impressive. Yes. But just because she was basically in a unicorn. Yes, the unicorn girl. Yeah. Was giving me Star versus the Forces, forces of Evil realness. She, she was the one that kept coming back round to For try and hold the sword again. So clearly, she was Star versus <laughs> yes. the Forces of Evil. She had this kind of mischievous glint, and she didn't speak the entire time. She just had this small, determined smile on her face while holding the weapons, and I was like, "Yes." Yes, well, that's you, basically. Well, yeah, it was me. As it's a real child. There's photographic proof. Uh, there is photographic with what appears to be a colander on your it's head. It's not a colander. It was my dad's helmet thing. It looks like had. a colander, folks. But, yeah, horrible histories. Time team, find something that engages your passionate part about history and run with it and use it mm. to then go, I've looked this up. What books are there on it? I think as well... While you do have to take the internet with like a truckload of salt, I have learned I have learned a lot of things off Twitter yes. as well, off historical Twitter accounts. I was learning about the history of books and I learned why... a lot of whores of yore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Occasionally I follow whores of yore and I tend to look at Kieran and be like, Oh look at this lady's bum <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of vintage Pause of your shoved in my face occasionally by the well, live. Phrasing. <laughs> yeah. Phrasing. But she's literally like, look at this picture of this naked lady from the 19th century. I'm like, yes, dear, it's a lady from the 19th century. <laughs> she's naked. Yes. What more do you want me to say? I hate the phrase real women, but it's actually a, a lady with actual, that looks like a lot of women that I know. Yes. Which, in real life. Yes. As they generally look in real life. Yes, they're not made of twigs. No. 
But um, not that there's anything wrong with twigs and silicon. But, but yeah, you know, it's just nice. It's refreshing to see ladies with. Um, there was no body shaming. So no, to speak. It, and plus, like everybody was fucking was skinny because they couldn't eat enough. So it was like. Ladies with sustenance were clearly wealthy. A firm but ample behind. <laughs> the, the, the quote, the quote, Laszlo. Yeah, Gemo, yeah, take your hands off my wife's firm but ample backside. <laughs> but no, I, honestly, Twitter as well. But obviously, be aware that it's Twitter. anything on the internet is put there sometimes for reasons, that including me. I'd say you're put on the internet for reasons that are good. Well, I was put on the internet because people moaned for me not being yes, on the internet. So I was put on the, the internet for reasons. The reasons oh. being people wanted to hear me talking See, this, about See, this is another thing that you haven't mentioned in terms of getting into history, is wargaming and uh, and all video games. Well, the problem is it all, for me... I, ugh. The problem for me is it's all interconnected. Yeah, but no, but I'm trying to dismantle but, it But a bit. the problem is... Wargamers don't always become historical wargamers. No, but I'm just saying... And computer it's... gamers don't always become historical computer gamers. But that is not to say that it doesn't have an effect, if you get what you I mean. You could play Assassin's Creed, Creed and then be super want... into the French Revolution or something. Well, we should all be into the French Revolution. I know, we should be so into it right now. We should be reenacting it with, with real Boris guillotines. And, and real real, real politicians and rich people. All up for that. I'm all up for that. Do like me a revolution occasionally. Um, but yeah, no. As I say, it's you find something that interests you and use it as the springboard to do research. Excuse me, properly. Like, so, I am the Angry History Chef. I have an extensive library. Not I am a war gamer. as extensive as you'd like. Not as extensive <laughs> as I'd like, no. But I am also a war gamer. And I am a computer gamer. And the thing is, though, history has been my passion since I was born to some degree. It was I was made for history. Like, my brain soaks up information so rapidly like a sponge that I struggle to even commute... Like, not commute... Co- 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 um, communicate. Communicate, thank you, dear. This is my point. I even struggle to communicate in English, folks. Because <laughs> I get so impassioned that my brain is faster than my tongue. Yeah. And I struggle to communicate a lot of subjects in detail. And I end up doing very broad painted brush strokes. And I could probably talk about the minutiae of firearms and the adequacies and inadequacies of German armour of World War Two. And I could talk about women's corsetry in the 17th and 18th century and how that changes. And yes, I've researched that. But it's because from stays to corsets to everything, has an effect on social history and actually has an effect on, like, how society changes. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. And it all ends up coming back to the military, one way or another. Well, just for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it, it's like... One of my favourite examples to give, right, is the ladies, shall we say, toiletry product, the tampon. Yes. Okay? Wasn't invented for women, folks. Wasn't even invented for women's sanitary purposes. It was invented to plug bullet holes. You literally shove it in the bullet hole, tape over it with wadding dressing, and bang them on a helicopter to get them out the firefight. Right? It just so happened that it was very effective at plugging holes made by bullets that it could plug other holes. I wish I got to ride in a helicopter when I was on my period. (laughs) But it's the same... 
Get on it, Tampax. All, all, <laughs> Free helicopter all, ride. All, all, all ladies' sanitary products, the tampon and the actual sanitary towel. They call with... it a dressing, don't they? That's yeah. The, yeah, in the, not in the adverts, but if you go into like an ye olde bathroom yeah. where they've got the little box and it's like sanitary dressing Dressings. box yeah. and it's like oh my god it is a freaking dressing yeah because you would shove the tampon in the bullet hole and put the sanitary towel over the bullet hole and then bandage it over because you wouldn't extract the bullet on the battlefield you get them out yeah to an actual surgeon's post at which point they are then extracting the bullet stitching it back up and dealing with it mm. and this is one of my favourite weirdly odd specific history facts that i know but this is again i'm a weirdly i'm weirdly into the vietnamese war yes and not just like with america and stuff but like right from the end of so like the vietnam war actually stems from 1945 to 1975 in reality and the amount of americans for example that think they won is astronomical (laughs) astronomical the french don't even talk about it because they suffered that big a defeat at Bendu, uh, uh, Bendai Fu, or whatever, uh, I always mispronounce it, folks. But the problem is, I'm not Vietnamese, I struggle with the Vietnamese yes. language. It's a lot of vowel sounds. So, I apologise. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the loss of the French in 1954. What you don't realise, and this is a joke, and Hal Moore knew this, and he knew the situation he was going into because the man commanding the Vietnamese forces in 1954 was the same man commanding the Vietnamese forces in 1965 at Ildrang Valley. And they're in the same peninsula of mountain rangers, but they're at opposite ends in effect. And it was like, oh, good Lord. Um, It's like you've said before, like with World War II, you much prefer the Pacific. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, folks. My interest in Vietnam stemmed from two films. We Were Soldiers and Heartbreak Ridge, which is Clint Eastwood, which I grant you is 1983 when it's set, but he's meant to be a Vietnam veteran. And it's Heartbreak Ridge, right, that put me on to the fact that, I already kind of knew America hadn't won the Vietnamese War anyway, but it's Heartbreak Ridge that, as a film, really emphasises that, because they use the phrase called 101. Which is one win, one draw, well, one win, it's something like one loss, no wins, one draw. And it's something like X, Y, you know what I mean? It's like it's Korea, Vietnam, and something else. But basically, it's like the one loss was Vietnam, the one draw is Korea, and the zero wins is because the Marine Corps never got of those two conflicts. Because those two conflicts pretty much are one after the other mm. in the same part of the world. Vietnam, Korea. Oh, look. And, yeah, so for me, history, folks, and for me to get into history, it's always been a television programme that's then made me want to look up books, and then those books have had bibliographies, and those bibliographies have led to me getting other books, and those other books have led me to university sites where I've then been reading theses and everything else. And for me, no history is... An island. No. Yeah. It's all interconnected. It's like this, the fact a samurai could have sent a fax to Abraham uh, Lincoln. Yes, or he could have. Uh, uh, 1867. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, my next major point of call for history for me, in some respect, is actually looking at the African nations in the 14th century. Ooh. 
because they were the richest people in the world at the time. Yeah. And an African king collapsed the economy in Europe almost with how much gold he kept handing out while he went to um, Constantinople. He took a day trip across Africa. I say a day trip, but he took a day <laughs> trip. He took a day trip, so to speak, yeah, up to co- Constantinople. Got on, a, got on a coach. But no, he. It was a. It was a one-year tour. He'd taken the throne, set his kingdom up, and I believe because um, the British destroy. It's the earthworks of of Benin. Right. It's the king of Benin had that much gold on his trip to Constantinople, he almost collapsed the European gold like economy. The counterweight continent. Yeah, the, he yeah. basically almost collapsed the entire economy in the 14th century. So, but yeah, the African nations have so much culture and history that I want to look into. And like, now, Shaka Zulu. Uh, there's a film. I've seen the film. It's very poorly, in some God, very poorly done in taste but it's also not it is what it is but that made me look up the actual Shaka Zulu mm. in terms of the real version of him um, Ian Knight right so the gentleman who's basically the Zulu expert yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he's written I think he, he'd done one or two papers in passing about Shaka Zulu but there are some amazing African uh, African American but also purely um, actual African professors out there yeah, yeah, yeah. who have wrote some amazing pieces about Shaka Zulu and his influence on African culture and African military ways of fighting wars that for me were absolutely mind-blowing but also highlighted that Shaka Zulu was no different to every despotic killing machine that Europe produced in the same time period. I guess this is the thing. It's like if you win wars, it's like yeah, you won wars, but then to win wars, you have to he, make a lot but, of horrible decisions. Oh yeah, and and Shaka Zulu is one of those men, but he revolutionised like the whole African way of warfare in his area because of course they they changed to these short stabbing spears and they changed to like a a, a more uh, the shields. Cha- he he does military development basically for the Zulu people. And again, this is my point, folks, as the spooky goth wife started with. How do you get into history? Well, you find something and you run with it and you see how far it takes you. Mm. And if that length of run comes to a stop, but it opens up six other new paths, then you run down each of those paths. And eventually you end up with this harebrained tree. You know, the conspiracy theories. Yes, the web. Yeah. Yeah. That's what history becomes because everything is interconnected one way or another. Well, it's like um, our friend that does the um, like medical stuff in the Anglo-Saxon times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freya Harrison. Yeah, she does all the leech crafting and everything else. That's because she's like a scientist. So. And, but she's not doing it from a reenactment point of view. She's doing it in a lab. But then that's also led to her, her doing it. Doing yeah, it in a reenactment. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like. Come back, stop laughing, I know, but it's like... <laughs> she's a medical professional who does silly things in labs using bogeys and all sorts to work out Anglo-Saxon leech crafting. So she can't she can't sit there and be like, oh no, because it's her own fault for doing it. She's a, she's a scientist with a historical background. She only has herself to blame. Oh it's like me sitting here going and talking about food in a historical context. Yes. I don't have myself to blame. Yes. Because I'm a chef yes. that had a passion for food. But this is the thing. My passion for historical food wasn't there, if Originally. you get what I mean. 
Well, I enjoyed historical food and reading about it, but I wasn't bothered about cooking historical food because, frankly speaking, half it had killed me. Yeah. Because so much of it is shellfish at times, and I'm just like, yeah. well, that's me dead in the medieval and ancient worlds, so then why? Yeah, Everyone's eating fucking you shellfish. I've had a very long life as a baby living no. on a coastal village. No! <laughs> I'd have been better off living in the Alps. Yeah. Less shellfish. <laughs> Apart from alpine crabs. <laughs> what alpine crabs? I don't know, I'm being but, silly. Yeah, but you know what I mean? It, it is, history is what you want to make from it. All I would ever advise is whatever you make from history, don't make it into some form of fanatical xenophobic background to yeah, be proud of don't use don't it for your do own that. agenda don't use it for a political agenda history is history and if you need to politicalize it it's because you are a shallow piece of shit <laughs> who has no friends and is desperate for power <sighs> aka hence why in the academic world at the moment Anglo-Saxon has become a banned term because the alt-right have taken over Anglo-Saxon uh. as well which is why Mr Pismeki who I'm hoping is Dr. Pismeki at some point, so I can stop calling him Mr. Pismeki and start quoting him as Dr. Pismeki, change all of the phrases Anglo-Saxon to early medieval English. <sighs> and that's a real shame. That is a real shame. Why do they keep ruining everything? Can we not trip because them into Because Nazis liking ruin everything. We yeah, know this. It's true. The Nazis ruin everything. It's true. And we've not ever learnt to just say no you can't talk like that because people moan about their freedom of speech and it's not a freedom of speech to to spread hatred and everything else i think the thing is as well sort of not related to nazis but you can be proud i think people seem to think that you can't be proud while also acknowledging that we did really shit horrible things like it's like the whole furore over over statues and stuff like that. People are like, oh, but but they need to be there because we need to be proud of the fact that this person did all these things. Yeah, but you can be proud of the fact they did these things, but also acknowledging the, the crap that, things that yeah, they did. Yeah, well, not to be wrong with uh, with that, but but Brizzo is the fine example that it is. Brizzo was built on slavery. Yeah, Bristol only exists because of the slave trade, but when we banned it, Bristol very much led the way in going welcoming the shall I say ethnic communities to well, some it's degree. Like the black country flag has got chains on it. Yep. Because the chain making industry. However, one of the things that the chain making industry was used for was, was slavery. slavery. <laughs> so it's like and then people had a massive fallout over it. And it's like but we should be proud of the chain making industry but you also need to be aware of the fact it was used for, for other slavery. things it's yeah. like yeah i don't know it's people and, seem and to I struggle said, with the and, idea of this cognitive dissonance of like we have done good things but we have also done a lot of bad things as a result and it's like you need to it's like having a friend that's a dickhead but they, they've cured cancer you like they cure cancer but they're, still... they're also an absolute bellend <laughs> But you'd still be proud of them for curing cancer. They, they've cured cancer, but you know what? They are an absolute cock in real life. It's generally the attitude... You can hold these two views together. So I don't get why people think it's unpatriotic to acknowledge that we've done terrible things. It's not. It's more patriotic to hold your hands up and be like, yeah, we did we did terrible things. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and, and it's that point, dear, that on that bombshell... Yes. okay. 
because we've gone full circle to me losing my rag over Brexit. You yeah, see. that's fair. Which is better. Yes. I don't know why, but it's better. <laughs> but this was a talk about how to get into history. But we did talk about that. We did, but we that's did. what I mean. This was a talk about how to get into history, yeah. but it was also us pointing out how angry history can make you over things. Yes, and maybe that's the route that you go through. You get angry about something, so you research the crap out of it. This is the whole point so of why be... I exist. <laughs> I am the angry history chef. And we found out your origin story. You didn't get bitten by a radioactive history book. So. No, I was plonked in front of classic World War Two and all other classic war films. And I, I, as much as we say on that bombshell, I must say, folks, that it, while I love Frank Miller's 300 and 300 Rise of an Empire, do you know what? You can't beat the classic 300 Spartans. Well, I mean, that's the reason that we have the Frank Miller 300, because he watched that as a child. Did he? Yeah, that's what inspired him to make 300, I the know. comic. I I love the 300 Spartans. Fantastic film. And the fact that, to some degree, Leonidas was old in it. Yeah. Well, he wasn't old, but he was old for what is respectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was classic 1956, I think it was. Yes. Beautiful film. Anyway. Yes. We have a Patreon. If you wish to hear... There are three episodes on that. I know, we we made up for lost time. We're sorry that it's taken us a while. children and Vike shows, unfortunately, have taken their toll on my production times. Yeah. Um, Please like and subscribe. Please, please, please come and join up Patreon. It's literally a fiver a month to listen to my non-unedited rambly things. Or even if you just tip a pound... To keep the tea flowing. The biscuits. The, the biscuits must flow. No, because I can't have biscuits, do Yeah, we're I've trying to what, not I'm eat trying biscuits. to be good. Okay, well, just tea then. Just to keep the tea and the milk flowing, so to speak, <laughs> so I can have tea constantly. Yeah. That's, that that helps. Um, but, yeah, and... If you have a question or... Please, what, ask questions. What period of history do you like or not like? And what would you... What were your, you were there. Would you like to know his opinion on it? Or not? I, I just please, folks, engage with me. <laughs> engage with me, because otherwise, this just becomes a really. It's a bit like the Edinburgh Fringe. It just becomes a diatribe of me getting really angry, which is fine, and where the comedy is. But we need things for him to be angry about, as and well to as, talk about, yeah, and to get impassioned about. Yeah. Otherwise. I can just keep talking the ear off of a donkey about absolute random shit in history. And if it gives him an excuse to start researching something new... And looking at new books, it makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, I think our next talk actually should be about Hastings. Okay. Because it's 1066 almost too. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's coming up for October. Yes. So we should talk about that in the next episode. Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, bye everyone. Bye.